All right, let's continue our study on how do we react in the storms of life. We left off with Paul's cheerful words, his cheerful words that things were going to work out, that God was with them, that God would do what he said he would do. And you know, cheerful words are just that, they're cheerful words. But as we'll find out in our text, cheerful words don't always remove the storm. Sometimes the storm will be taken away. Other times we will have to endure to the end of the storm. But cheerful words are a good first place to start. Verse 27 of chapter 27 of the book of Acts. But when the fourteenth night was come, that's the fourteenth night that they were actually enduring this storm, two weeks, day and night, 24-7, for two weeks, they endured this storm. As we were driven up and down the Adria, and the Adria is the part of the Mediterranean Sea that is between Crete and uh, and Italy, and uh, between Africa and Greece. Uh, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that we drew near to some country. How did they know that? Verse 28, and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. In other words, they dropped a... Uh, an instrument in the sea, and it's like an anchor, and it sank down to 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded uh, again and found it 15 fathoms. Well, what's a fathom? We don't use that anymore, uh, that term. It's 1.8 meters is a fathom. So 20 fathoms is 36 meters. And 15 fathoms is 27 meters. So the water was only that deep, which is not very deep for a big ship. Now, the ships weren't like they are today, these big massive structures. But uh, that's still pretty shallow. So they knew they were getting close to land. They didn't know what land. Why? Because they had lost their navigation capabilities. uh, Because the sun wasn't shining and the stars weren't shining. And so uh, we see that they said, wow, we're getting close. And then in verse 29 says, then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out the stern and wished for day. And so because they feared they might fall upon rocks or hit rocks with the ship and destroy the ship on the rocks, they decided to throw four anchors out. Uh, it took four anchors to actually anchor them at all with the fierceness of this storm that they were in. Verse 30 says, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, well, wait a minute, why would the shipmen jump ship? When they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though uh, they would have 
cast anchors out of the foreship, all right, under the pretense, in other words, so, so that people would think, oh, they're going to drop anchors on the other part of the ship as well. But they were actually trying to flee the ship. And uh, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. So they lost the boat. Why did they lose the boat? They lost the boat because of cowardly workers. Cowardly workers. That's why they were jumping ship. Because they were concerned only with themselves. They weren't concerned with anybody else. They were only concerned about themselves. They were cowardly workers. They were going to jump ship. Going to get away from this storm on our own. Well, wait a minute. I thought these cheerful words of Paul, taken from God, the promises that no one was going to die, everyone was going to live, why then were they so cowardly? Why would they seek to get away from this storm? Vince Lombardi was a famous football coach in the NFL of the Green Bay Packers, won a lot of titles, a lot of Super Bowls. And he said this, winners never quit and quitters never win. When we're in the midst of a storm, we're not to give up. Not to give up hope because quitters never win. Quitters only repeat being quitters. They will continue to lose all of their life. All of the storms that come into their lives. And just because they quit doesn't mean storms quit. They'll keep coming. And so if we're going to win, we need to stay at it. We need to keep trusting the Lord in those times of storm. Paul said, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. In other words, if you jump ship, if you quit, you can't make it. And so we need to stay in the ship. What do we mean? Well, just like we explained at the end of this morning with the disciples, they had to stay in the ship. Why did they have to stay in the ship? Because that's where Jesus was. Jesus was in the ship. And Jesus is in our ship. But do we want to stay in Jesus' ship in the midst of the storm? I hope we do. I hope we want to stay in his ship. And so Paul's warning, the centurion and the soldiers are like, well, we don't want to die. And so they cut the ropes off of the boat so that no one could get off. So, we can respond in a cowardly manner and and seek to just run away from the problem. But the problem doesn't run away from us. In fact, it chases us down. And so, let's stay in the boat. Let's stay in the ship.
Verse 33 then says, And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from your head, from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and when he had broken it, he began to eat. What do we see here? We see here weakness. They were physically weak. In fact, they were considerably weak. So considerable weakness is something that we experience in the middle of storms. In this context, it was hunger. They hadn't eaten in 14 days. Uh, I've, gone, I've gone five days without eating anything, and you can hardly stand up. They'd been battling this storm 24-7 for 14 days, two weeks. And they hadn't eaten anything. The incredible physical weakness that they bore. It's no wonder they were making bad choices. They were vulnerable to make bad choices because of their hunger. In times of vulnerability, we have the tendency to make bad choices, don't we? Hunger is one of those vulnerabilities. When the physical body is run down and the health begins to break down, we begin to make bad choices. We have given up and therefore we can't make it. And so that's one of the vulnerabilities in which we can make bad choices. There are some others, however, and I'm going to mention those. Not just hunger, which produces poor health, but overtiredness. Overtiredness. Uh, this comes across most vis- vividly with children, uh, especially late at night. You can tell when they're overtired because they start stumbling around instead of walking uprightly. Uh, They start getting cranky. Uh, They start hollering. They start crying. They start misbehaving because they're overtired. And the parent says, "Uh, I think you need to go to bed. You need to get some rest. You're vulnerable to making bad choices and you're starting to make some bad choices because of your overtiredness, so it's time for you to have a rest. We adults, we can get overtired too. We can work long hours. Uh, we can be busy doing all kinds of different things. And we can become overtired. And in that, that, that moment of being overtired, we can make some really bad choices. So we need to get rest. Grief is another 
vulnerability. When someone's grieving the loss of a loved one, or the loss of a job, or the loss of a possession, uh, some sort of a loss, he's grieving over that. Uh, then he is vulnerable to make bad choices. When a couple who've been married for 50 years, 60 years, lose one or the other, it's good counsel to suggest to them never to make a major decision for at least 12 months. Why? Because in that moment of grief, that time period of grief, there is a tendency to make bad choices, which they will have to live with the rest of their lives. Grief. Pressure. Being pressured is another vulnerability, a time when we can very readily make bad choices. You go to these, uh, these, uh, whatever they're called for, for, uh, um, I can't even remember what they're called, but they're, they're like holiday resorts or whatever, and you can invest in them, and you can go there any time of the year because you've already kind of prepaid things. And, uh, you go to those sales pitches, they make it all sound so good, and they try to pressure you into making a decision on that day. They make it very enticing, and the best thing to do most of the time is to walk away because you don't have time to really think it through. You're being pressured. Whenever my children came up to me when they were growing up, they said, Dad, can I... uh, can I have this? Can I do this? Can I go here? Can I be with? And I would say to them, uh, do I have to give you an answer right now? And they soon learned that if I had to make the decision now, the answer was no, absolutely not. But if I had time to think through it, then they might be able to have the permission to do it. Okay, Because being under pressure, we have a tendency to make bad choices. Fear is another vulnerability. When we are fearful, we're not thinking clearly, and we can make some bad choices. The disciples made a bad choice many times because of fear. Perfect love casts out fear, folks. It's still in the Bible. It's still true. Fear. Don't make choices when you're fearful. Wait until the fear subsides, uh, and, and then you can make that choice with clear thinking. And then a last one that I'll mention, though this is not an exhaustive list, is foolish counselors. Foolish counselors. Uh, Rehoboam can tell you a little bit about that. Rehoboam listened to the young guys rather than the old guys. Because after all, the old guys, they don't know anything. 
The young guys, man, they, they got their act together. They know everything about everything. Just ask them. They'll tell you. Foolish counselors. Okay, rely on counsel that's sound counsel. Not based upon wishes or agendas or uh, power seekers. Rely on experienced counselors. People who have gone through that before. Uh, People who have learned some things in life. Follow their advice. And so we can be vulnerable. And these men were vulnerable because they were hungry. Extremely hungry. So Paul ate. And then in verse 36 it says, Then were they all of good cheer. Because they all had some to eat. And then verse 37 says, And we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. There were 276 aboard that ship. They all had something to eat, and they were all encouraged by that. They could actually see beyond the circumstances. They could see beyond the storm because they were able to think clearly. They regained their strength. And so in times of weakness, we are most vulnerable. But if we'll strengthen ourselves, shore up those areas in our lives where we're vulnerable, we'll be able to endure the storms better. When they had eaten uh, enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea to lighten the ship even further. Why would they get rid of the food? Well, because they all just got full and they were close to land. So we didn't, they didn't need the food anymore. But they did need to lighten the ship because it was down in shallow water. So you lighten the ship so it can traverse a little bit closer. Makes sense. All right, then verse 39, And when it was day, they knew not the land. So they had no idea where they were at. They knew it was land, but they didn't know what land it was. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. We see here a compelling wish. A compelling wish. When you see the light at the end of the tunnel, when you know that you're close to safety, you wish and long for the day you can set your feet on solid ground again. And it compels you to go that direction. This is what we see here. And so they pull up stakes and they're, they're on their way. Verse 41, And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, the four parts stuck, in, stuck fast, and uh, remained unmovable, 
but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Their dreams were shattered. They were stuck in the sand. What an abrupt ending. No, it wasn't over. It wasn't over. Yeah, the front part of the ship was stuck in the sand. And the back part was broken to pieces. That's what happens when you stick your head in the sand. It exposes the rest to very dangerous uh, position. So get your head out of the sand and continue to hope for the best. It wasn't the end of the story just because they were stuck. And there are times in the storms of life when we feel like we're stuck. We can't go any further. Just keep, keep hoping. Keep wishing for the best. And, and it'll, it'll work in God's plan. And then in verse 42 and following, it says in this, when, when they got stuck, they lost the, the back part of the ship and they were stuck. They had no place, that they couldn't go anywhere. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. And we have to remember that the soldiers in that day didn't have guns. So if someone jumped overboard and started swimming toward shore, a soldier would have had to jump in after him. Well, if you've ever tried to rescue a drowning person, they say, don't get near them until they're, <laughs> they're passed out. Until they're so exhausted, they're not going to fight you. Because to fight you in the water, they'll probably win. And so these soldiers are thinking, man, this is, this is an impossible situation. We can't, we'll, we'll just kill the prisoners. Uh, which is contrary to what Paul said, God said. God said, all of you are going to be alive. So we can't have that. Well, then we have a contrary way out that's presented to us by the centurion. Contrary. In fact, it's not just contrary, it's contradictory. It's opposite ends of the pole, of the spectrum. They were looking for the solution to the way out, and so they had contradictory ways out of this situation. Soldiers said, kill the prisoners. The centurion said, because he was willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. In other words, the centurion had learned, <laughs> he had learned that Paul was right. He was right at first when he said uh, <laughs> there's much damage going to come. He was right again when he said, cheer up, guys. God says it's going to work out. He's going to work it out. And then Paul was right when he said, eat, eat. Strengthen yourselves. 
And so the centurion said, I'm going Paul's way. So these contradictory ways out of the situation, and folks, the way we react to the storms of life present those two contradictory positions. We can either choose our own way or we can choose God's way. They chose God's way and they were all safe on dry land. Reminds me of the children's song. I know you sing it here at Lavington. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. Until he takes me home is what the version is. Uh, There are other versions, actually, of that song I found. But until he leads me safely to where I need to be. I'm safe with Christ in my vessel. So the question is, is Christ in your vessel? And are you relying on him? Has he put a smile on your face in the midst of your storm? If he has not, it is not his fault. It is yours. You need to trust him today to get you through the storm. So just recapping both messages, actually. We're on this journey. It's called life. We have contrary winds that blow all the time. We have concerned warnings that are given to us. We're tempted to make childish, follow childish wisdom And every time we do choose that way, we end up in consuming waves. The big storms take over and we're lost. And someone brings a cheerful word from the word of God to encourage us to keep on going. Not to lose hope, but to press on under the direction of the promises of God. And some yet, because of selfish motives, will be part of these cowardly workers. They'll seek to jump ship when they should stay aboard and endure, not just for their sakes, but for everybody's sake. Because no one wins when quitters reign. And then we need to take care of the considerable weakness or weaknesses that we have. Need to shore them up, strengthen them up, so that when we do, we can see the compelling wish. We can desire to go that route. And when we're faced with contradictory ways out, we'll choose the right one. We'll choose God's way rather than our way. 
Well, I trust that this has been an encouragement, these two messages. It's been an encouragement to me. Uh, and so let's, let's pray and uh, God deal with your heart because nothing can inhibit the providence of God, not even a storm. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement you give to us both in your word and through your people, to encourage us along in the storms of life. Help us understand that no storm can overtake us but through the providence of God. And our God is great, and our God is good, and he desires to be glorified in spreading good to us in our lives, even and especially in the storms of life. Help us to react the way you would choose us to. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.